0: Let's, uh, let's get started with uh, Supernatural Power of a Transformed Mind, page 92 in your book, if you want to see the context where I'm going with this right off the bat. Okay, you're going to find a, uh, in the first new paragraph on that page, you're going to find um, this statement. We must also become students of miracles. When I read that, I thought, what a great thought. And then my mind, I just stopped. I didn't read the rest. of. It. I began to think, well, what does that mean? Does that mean I study the miracles of the past? And I think the answer is yes. Does it mean I become a, um, a student of miracles today so that if, I, if somebody else is, is effective in doing miracles, I read what they have to say about it? And the answer is yes. But then I thought, well, maybe it also means that we, we have some process whereby we take the miracles that we have experienced individually or corporately and work our way through them with some questions which I'm going to give you some questions that you can write down because I think this was helpful but let me finish that that paragraph that means the miracles we experience must shape how we think the miracles we experience must shape how we think not what we think but how we think the process Miracles can be dazzling and dramatic but they are not primarily designed to dazzle us. God gives us miracles to train us how to see differently. Now let that kind of absorb into your spirit man right now for just a minute. I want to I want to study miracles so that I see differently but also in a way that allows me how I think about miracles about what God's doing so for example God gives us miracles to train us to see differently a miracle is a school now think about it just think about a miracle that either you one that you can remember kind of some of the details about it um, and not just the outcome because I think the process getting up to the miracles is, is as important as the outcome as well don't you because it's, it's me looking at me. What role did I play, didn't play? What did I say? What did I do? Did that have any bearing on what happened in that situation or not? So those are just some of the things that came to mind. So it's a school. Or think of it this way. Just as there are nutrients in food, so every situation and encounter with God comes filled with the nutrients necessary to make us strong, strong as representatives of God on this planet. He goes on to say this. He said, we may go through life experiencing encounters and miracles with God while not extracting what was intended for us in those experiences. So here's what I did. Um, And I, I came up with eight that you can write down. I'll try to, I'll give them to you and then I'll give them to you again so that you get them. Here's the first one I came up with. Debrief each miracle is what I said. I'm going to take a miracle I'm going to debrief it. What was the problem we needed God to solve? First question. What was the problem that we needed God to solve? It may not be that someone's sick and they need to be well. It may be that we need God to be glorified. Think about how many times Jesus said, this guy's sick for the glory of God. It doesn't say this guy's sick so we could heal him and he'll be fine and he can be fine. That was the result, but he doesn't always say that, does he? So, So what's the problem we need to solve here? Does it do us any good if a person's sick, becomes well, and then dies and goes to hell? It does some good, doesn't it? It does some good, doesn't it? I mean, it, it. God gets glorified, that guy thinks about God, but it, it doesn't do ultimately what we hope for this, this individual to have, and that is to know the Savior. Okay, number two question. How did you discover the problem? How did you discover the problem? Now, if a person's sick, and let's say a person has cancer, there's not a whole lot of discovery that has to go on here. They typically will tell you, well, I have cancer. Would you... Pray for me. But I'm talking about the problem. What is the problem you're trying to solve? We get so quick to want to pray to alleviate sickness that we may miss the problem. What if the problem is their view of God? What if their problem is their view of Christians? And they physically get well and they still have the same problem with God or with Christians that they had before now they only become well bad spokespeople for christianity does that make sense number 3 was there any unusual circumstances that surrounded this miracle was there any were there any unusual circumstances that surrounded this miracle So you stop and you think about it. I'm going to give you an example here of one that I would call an unusual circumstance, and it happened recently. And many of you were there. I get a call from Phoebe, and Phoebe says, crying tears, Pastor um, Faith has melanoma, and it's really bad. And the doctors really wants to be getting high gear about this, and it's really afraid it's going to be aggressive. Okay. So that's the first thing that comes to me. My response immediately is what yours would be. We need to pray and ask for the healing power of God. Okay, but nothing's unusual yet. What's unusual is it happened the week before the Sunday I was going to preach on prayer and healing. So that had an unusual twist to it, did did it not? But I still don't think that's unusual yet. Timing's a little interesting, but not unusual. What's unusual is that we invited people to pray. We were willing to pray for people at the end of the service, invited them to come forward. What's unusual is that Ron went back into the nursery, got faith, walked up to the front of the stage, and like an offering, reached this three-and-a-half-year-old girl up to me and handed her her to me. That to me was unusual, which typically you can't do with a 40-year-old person. Lift them up, hand them up to me, and I'm going to bounce them on my hip. Right? That's unusual. And to me, what as I reflected back on that, I reflected back this is what I got out of it. I haven't even debriefed this with Ron or Phoebe, but it was like it was like an offering. It was an offering. There's nothing I can do. I don't care what how good the doctor is, I don't care what hospital they're going to, there's nothing I can do. I'm offering my daughter up to you, or really to God, and God has to do something. So, to me, that was the unusual part of the miracle. And so, the timeless lesson to that is that every miracle, somehow, every healing, I want to say, Are we doing that? Because that seems to be an important part of what we do, regardless who it is or what the situation is. Number four, who is involved in the miracle? Who was involved? Who was there? You know, you were there because you probably saw it, heard it, experienced it in some way. Was there anybody else? And try to list everybody there, and then just kind of look at it and say, you know, why? Was there something about that combination that seemed to to work in that situation, or was it just in spite of us? That may be your answer. I don't know. We, those group have been together, and nothing else cool's happened. Just being honest with it. Okay, was it immediate or gradual in its manifestation? In other words, did that person get healed right then? Was it a week later? Was it a month later? What happened? Um, that's number five. yeah. number five is number four is who was involved? Number five, was it immediate or gradual in its manifestation? So if I prayed for rain and it started raining right then, it's pretty immediate. If I prayed for rain, it rained two years later, it may not be traced back to my prayer. <laughs> right? Okay. Here's an example. Uh when I was in we were pastoring one church, um, it had been a long drought in this uh in, in Ohio and they really needed because the crops the farmers were, you know, losing crops and cattle and the whole nine yards. And so this lady that taught this little girls class said, Okay, we're gonna pray for rain. On Saturday morning, once you, you know, and she had this nice little thing planned, a little Bible study and all of that. And one of the little girls showed up with an umbrella. She what? Expected it to rain. You see, that's an unusual circumstance related to that. I don't even remember if it rained. I'm sorry. It's kind of like a joke. I don't know the punchline, but it was pretty cool leading up to it. Okay, number six. How did, you view, uh, how did your view of God, miracles, or the supernatural change? How did your view of God, miracles, or the supernatural change because of that miracle? The example I gave you in my own life about Floaties Go, and it was an 8- or 9-year-old boy that just prayed Floaties Go, changed my view of miracles and the supernatural. Number seven, what did you learn that may be applicable in the future? What did you learn that may be applicable in the future? And then lastly, number eight, in one sentence, describe the lesson of the miracle. What was the lesson of the miracle? Now, I wonder what would happen if you would just take a miracle that you can remember. We're not going to do this during class, but if you take a miracle that you can remember in in recent days and just go through these eight questions with it. You might have been very close to it. You might have been a distant observer. or You might have just heard it from someone, but you went through a process And I think in some ways it might shape you in terms of approaching the next miracle. Because some of these are are pretty, I mean, they're pretty pointed. You know, like, what was the problem? What's the problem that we need to solve in this particular miracle? Okay. Let's go to Mark chapter 6. Chapter 6. Let's go to verse 38 and following. So Jesus, uh, in this story, the context is Jesus is the feeding of the 5,000. Which is pretty cool. I mean, it could save a lot of money. On church functions, if we had this kind of miracle manifesting itself. Amen. Show up for a big dinner. There's five plates set. Hey, I paid $25. Just a minute. Jesus will be here. It's all going to be taken care of. We need some people to distribute, right? Okay, verse, uh, verse 30. Let's go to verse 38. He said to them, uh, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he commanded them to make them all sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in ranks and uh, in hundreds and in fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked to heaven, he blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples and set them before them, the two fish, and divided among all of them. So he blessed it, and how many loaves and fish did he give back to him? Five and two. Right? The people were all divided up, right? He got them all in groups, so he, he, was, he had a good administrative gift. Okay, he took the five and the two, and he blessed them, and then he gave it to them. And then they went out, and they said, you know, you, you're going, right? I mean, there's not even one for all of us here. Okay? And he goes out, and they start handing it out. The miracle was in the multiplication in their hands. It wasn't he blessed them, and all of a sudden there's this ton of bread, and they go, gee, we're in good shape now they started distributing it and it just kept it just kept coming it was in their hands that the miracle happened and the reason that becomes so important to this story you know was that, that Jesus wanted them not to understand that he could do cool stuff he wanted them to do cool stuff because he's going away and if it's all about him Then all the cool stuff ends. You know, the multiplication, the feeding, the healing, the miracles, all that stuff. It's all over. And now what we are is we're just historians. That's all we are. We're just good historians. You know what Jesus did? Yeah, but that was 2,000 years ago. I know, but it was cool. And it's kind of like the one-up story. Well, let me tell you what he did. Oh, yeah, that's nothing. You know what else he did back then, 2,000 years ago? That's neat. That's neat but it's neater if you're doing it if you're seeing the miracles because here's what he said greater greater works will you do because i go to the father in other words there's a whole lot more of you that can can get busy in all different parts of the world cranking out cool stuff miracles so i want to just i want you to be released in all of that so now go to verse 45 So they all ate. They were filled, by the way. Let's finish the story. Verse 43, they took up 12 baskets full of fragments and full of fish, which is kind of cool. How many disciples were there? So every guy got a basket full of leftovers. Started with seven, ended up with 12 leftovers. Because even, even, now watch this, even the traitor Judas had a basket full of leftovers from the miracle. And it wasn't enough for him to believe. Miracles are never enough to cause people to believe. They have to encounter Jesus. It's an important principle. Took up 12 baskets. Now those who had eaten the loaves um, were about 5,000. Okay. 5,000 men, by the way. So that means there's about 14,000 there. There's always more women and children at church. Right? Okay. Okay. Verse 45: Immediately he made his disciples get into a boat, go before him to the other side, to Basidia, while he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. Okay, guys, you go over there, get in the boat, get over go on the other side. Okay, 5,000, you're full, you can leave, and I'm going to pray. I got to reflect on what all happened. The evening came, and the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. Then he saw the straining and rowing, for the wind was against them. Now it was about the fourth watch of the night. And he came to them, walking on the sea, and would have passed them by. Don't you love the matter-of-fact way that Mark just tells the story? He looks out, and he goes, "Hey, eh, these guys are having a tough time. I think I'm going to walk by, see what's going on. <laughs> yeah, walking on the water. Yeah, see what's going on he would have passed by. He didn't intend to stop. He didn't intend to do anything. He just was going to walk by. That's important. Mark that down, okay? It's important. He was just going to walk by. And when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost and cried out, which I would have too, right? For they all saw him and were troubled, but immediately He talked with them and said, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. You can strain all you want in the middle of a disaster and it won't do you any good. You can cry out. You can feel sorry for yourself. It won't do any good. Sometimes it's more about us than it is about the situation. They went up to the boat. uh, And then he went into the boat to them, and the wind ceased, and they were greatly amazed, and they themselves beyond measure marveled. Okay, so here's the wind and the wave, and they think they're going to perish. Bad things are happening. He gets in the boat, and everything calms down. It's good to have God in your boat. The lesson of this miracle. Now, here's the key verse. Key verse is verse 52. For they had not understood about the lows because their heart was hardened. Who sent the wind and the waves? In this particular case, it appears to be a God-sent storm to test their faith, to see if they would actually put into practice what they learned in the replication and the duplication of the loaves in their hands. It multiplied in their hands. They should have rebuked the wind and the wave. But they forgot the lesson They didn't remember the lesson, and their heart was hardened, and they couldn't do the miracle. When we can't do the miracle, sometimes it's about a hardened heart, and we haven't learned the lesson of the previous miracle. Interesting thought, huh? Tam, would you come? Come?
1: thanks babe i had one of those rema's and you know it's god can even give you a rema through a natural book like this because i've read that passage in matthew so many times and i was just sitting there pondering it probably why i was not alert when he said you feed them you feed them And I guess for me, growing up, knowing the word, growing up with the word of God, um, the scripture, memorizing scripture like Phil, so much of this I've memorized, and it just jumps out, and he's saying to me, you feed him. You heal him. He wants us, and that's why I love so much this chapter, is teaching us that what he did through Jesus, he now wants to do through his church. What he did through Jesus, he now wants to do through his church. So let me ask you, what are your kingdom stories this week? Remember I think that was your assignment from last week? right? A kingdom story. And um, we talked about the door. We talked about when we open that supernatural door and we begin to see the things of the Father, we begin to see the supernatural realms. Opportunities come and we see them and we take them. Um, I want you to think about what that is, I'm going to ask you, but I do want to follow up with the story I told you last week about the young girl that I was going to be meeting with it, first asked, is there a God? And, and then pulled back and said she didn't want to meet. And, and then I was pretty rough with her at the last minute and told her why there was a God. And so we met last week. And, you know, it's funny. I wrote her name actually in this book, Under Watchman Knee, where he talked about when we lead someone to Christ, where it is the spirit of God that attracts them and draws them. See, I could have told her and tried to convince her. And I did look at her and I said, Ashley, everything I tell you, I can talk you into. But someone else can talk you out of it. If this isn't a conviction that you have and a decision you want, then it's not real. So why don't you go home and why don't you really pray and think about, is there a God? And do you even really want to know him? And she looked at me and she goes, well, could I pray that prayer now? And I can just, I mean, first of all, I was, I wasn't prepared for her to accept Christ right then. But let me just show you the beauty of how God works. Because we're looking through a supernatural door, I see things I never saw before. So here walks in this young girl with a story that was horrific, a very sad, sad story. And who's the first person that she sees? She goes to get a coffee at the coffee bar, and it's Cherie's daughter, who she happened to go to high school with and played soccer with when she was, what, 12 years old, Cherie? And she looks at her and she goes to Crystal, what are you doing here? Well, I go to church here. Wow, that's cool. Then we walk in and we meet and I begin to share faith with her. And I looked at her and I said, Ashley, if you look for God, you will see God. You will see that you walked in and the first person you saw was someone you could relate to. And then you walk in and you have a mother figure that's going to love you, pour into you, give you grace. See, that's a God gift. Then we walk out, and boy, she's rejoicing. I had her go to everybody that was in the coffee shop and tell them. I said, tell them what happened. I just prayed and asked Jesus into my heart. I'm a Christian. Right at that time, to my knowledge, I have never seen in the coffee shop, Lori D'Angelo walks in. Now, just divine. And this is what, again, that supernatural when you look for. See, we can call these coincidence, or we can call them divine revelation. I don't know what your terminology is, but you will either live a life of coincidence or you will live a life of divine revelation. So I introduce her. Now, she's in nursing school. Now, I don't know if you know what Lori does, but Lori's a nurse. So here's a young girl that feels like a failure in nursing school. She tells Lori that she just got saved, and Lori goes, Girlfriend, you need to be in my Bible study, bad girls of the Bible, which they are on Wednesday nights. And this girl is a bad girl. Morning. Really bad girl. Okay, so there's a, a the women's Bible study. So now here she's connecting with Lori. So when I came in today for staff meeting, she's sitting in the coffee shop with her mom, going through all of her studies. Got a little nursing book out. She's studying, and she said, Tammy, what what time is that group tomorrow night for the singles? So I connected her with Nathan. See, you can either see the divine, or you can see coincidence. And the minute I started walking in the supernatural realm, the more I say, the more I see. The more I say, the more I see. I going to tell you a quick little story. It was amazing. As you know, we were just in New York for a wedding. And, and I'm beginning to where I'm just looking for it. I mean, literally, I am every conversation, every person, everybody I meet with, I'm like, God, what is it? What are you doing now? And I believe everything has to do with this church. It's just kind of like the way I'm wired right now. Every person, every opportunity, everything. So it is uh, 1130 on Saturday night, and we are still at the reception of this wedding. And I post a picture of the beautiful bride with Pastor Phil and I. She went to this church. We've led her to Christ, and she's marrying a New Yorker, so we've lost her to New York, but beautiful little girl. And I post this picture. Okay, so on Facebook. Well, immediately. Now just this is so god. Immediately I get this response back on Facebook from someone I don't know that I know that I know her, and she said, "Oh, Tammy, I wish I knew that you and Pastor Phil were in New York. I would have loved to connect you with our son. He's a producer with NBC and his his wife is a dancer and she's um on Broadway and and I'm I'm thinking, who is this?" And I'm looking and, and I said, Phil, do you know who this is? And he goes, no, I don't know who that is. And I just nicely go, oh, too bad. Maybe another time, you know, because I have so many friends on Facebook, I don't even know sometimes who they are, just thinking it's somebody from here. Or... But then I'm intrigued and I go back and I go, who is this? And I'm looking at 1130 at night and I go, Phil. This is Malcolm's wife. Now in seminary, our dearest friends in seminary, um, we had children at the same time. They ended up divorcing. So she kind of went her way and he went his way and we still have kept friends with him. So 1130 at night, Phil texts our friend and says, we just got a message from your ex-wife, Terry, about your son. Now just watch this because God works this way. And, hey, just it's really random because, Phil, Tammy hasn't kept up with Terry in 40 years, seminary, you know, whatever. And he goes, Phil, that's crazy that you're there. Maybe you should meet with, with Jordan and his wife. So now it's 1130 on a Saturday night. Phil gets the number, texts Jordan. Within five minutes, Jordan texts us back, and he said, I would love to meet with you guys. Now, I'm asking myself why. See, if I would have said before it's coincidence, I would have said before, oh, it's a friend of a friend, and they're in New York, and whatever. But I said, I said, Phil, we're supposed to meet with them. There's some reason we're supposed to meet with this couple, okay? So we did all our things on Sunday. We met with this couple at 9.30 Sunday night. All I can tell you, it was the most amazing time, spirit-filled time. He is a pastor. What he's doing in New York is unbelievable. Um, His wife has written a beautiful play called uh, The Issue of Blood with the woman with the issue of blood and how she found her way at the cross with the true issue of blood, which was the redeeming blood of Jesus. Next thing you know, we start to, he goes, can you just tell me about Influence Church? I just keep hearing about Influence Church. Well, I don't can't tell you everything I think, but I believe this couple going to play a part in this church in the future. And I won't tell you everywhere we went with it and how we just cast a vision and a dream with them. But all I can tell you is when God prompts you with something, that's a kingdom story. When you follow through with those kind of opportunities, there's a kingdom story. I don't ever get around Randy that he's not telling me somebody he just met and talked to, okay? Same thing with Ted. Ted's always telling me somebody he just met. See, they think kingdom. They talk kingdom. They look kingdom. So what's your kingdom story for this week? You know, something that Watchman Nee said, and there was so much in this book, um, I know that Lori and I laughed. We said, it's really bad. When you highlight so much on your page that what you recognize what's not you know under underlined than what is there's so much in this book and there's so much meat in this book but there's something an exercise I want us to do together let me ask you a couple questions here He talked about two things here where do you feel reservation or where do you feel restriction So when I ask myself in my spirit where do I now we're talking about our outer man we're talk about our outer man in a minute where in my outer man do I feel reservation? Or restriction. So, where do you feel reservation? What, what that might be is, you know, what I'm not good enough. I can't do it. I'm not schooled. Um, I don't have enough. I haven't been through seminary. I don't know enough of the Bible. I'm shy. I'm withdrawn. If anybody really knew my story, where do you feel reservation? Where is the enemy? You know, where you feel that reserve. And the second is, where is he restricting you? How is the enemy restricting you? If you start to think of your outer man. In those two areas, where is, he, where is the reservation and where is the restriction? Because here's what really I believe he talks about. He says, the enemy restricts, but the Holy Spirit reveals. The enemy restricts, but the Holy Spirit reveals. So when I did this, I sat down and I thought to myself, okay, I'm going to do two things here. Where do I feel restricted in the Spirit? For me, it might be that I, Phil, um, use this. Maybe we think we know too much Scripture. Or we expect God to do something. Are we this or that? There's there's a reservation and a restriction. I want you to ask yourself, in your outer man, that's your flesh. Okay, and here's some that I wrote down. Number one, disobedience. It could be disobedience. It could be an addiction. Where in your outer man, it could be addiction to anything anything that you have in your life we we've got to drill down to the inner man we've got to let that brokenness happen and you know I was reading this on the plane and kind of closing my eyes and praying and I was just asking the presence of the Holy Spirit to come in and show me Father God where do I need to be broken so that the spirit of God can manifest See I had just had that visual picture of meeting with Ashley the day before and where she has a little baby and we're sitting in the nursery so her little baby could play and I'm on the floor with her and she just kept coming closer as we're talking. She just kept doing this. We're sitting on the floor together and it kinda like first freaks you out, and then you realize there's an attraction is I'm talking to her about this love of Jesus. It doesn't matter what she's done. And she shared her personal story that she'll be excellent to speak to our high school kids because the life that this girl's lived is unbelievable. And the fact that there's a God, you know what she was feeling? She was feeling my inner man. Mm -hmm. She was feeling that spirit that was drawing her. It wasn't my words. It wasn't the plan of salvation necessarily. It wasn't the Roman road I took her down. It was my spirit bearing witness with her spirit. Her spirit was being quickened was being made alive, and it was attractive. But when that outer man isn't broken, that inner man can't flow. So if I went in there with the outer man all around me, you can't see that inner man. I want you to define in your own mind what's my outer man. What is it I struggle with personally? Because if you don't define it, see, here's what I love to say. I love to know what my weaknesses are so I know how to battle the enemy. And I say to him, so like one of mine, I've said to some of you before, is is Fear. See, I have a real issue with fear. I mean, a legitimate issue with fear. Like, Phil's gone at night, and I had the lights on and the TV on, and, and I hear noises. And, and I, had to, I had to go back into my childhood and find out where that came from. And let me just tell you the story. If you haven't heard it, my birthday is two days before Halloween. And my parents are wonderful, godly Christian people. But for some reason, they always saw fit to have a Halloween party for me for my birthday and it was actually to as my older years my mother got more and more creative and they were very scary parties well make things worse I lived in in front of a cemetery and there were birthday parties where we would go and play in the cemetery. She'd have ghosts hanging, and she'd peel grapes, and we'd have to crawl through eyeballs. And she was very creative. And we laugh now. I can actually kind of laugh at it. But I didn't realize that even as a young girl, I would, I would dread my birthday. Because what was happening is a, a spirit of fear was being instilled in me. Okay? One birthday. I'll never, obviously never forget it because it was an issue for me. We were playing tag in the cemetery and there was a grave that had been dug and one of my girlfriends fell in it. Now try to pull your girlfriend out of a birthday party, out of a very, you know, out out of a hole in the ground. Now let me tell you why I'm explaining that to you because there's a spirit of fear that was over me, legitimate fear. I had to break through that. The enemy still tries to come and get me with fear. You with me? We all have something. That's the truth. I mean, there's, you know... Nobody here that doesn't struggle with something. So I want you to identify so the enemy sometimes will still come and try to get me with fear. And then I have to do all the scriptures. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. God has not given me a spirit of fear but of love, power, and a sound mind. I know those verses. I I quote those verses. I do battle. If I don't know where my weakness is, how do I know how to do battle with him? And I want you to identify. Then what you do is you stand up to him. See, now I can use the word of God, and I can speak to him to do battle. You won't get me, because greater is he, and I just say it, and I speak it out to him. You won't get me here, and then I walk in the strength and the power. I want you to identify that outer man, because we're going to do an exercise in a minute where we're going to try to get to the inner man. When I've understood the outer man, and it's broken, then the inner man can flow through. Does that make sense? That's why we're in school of ministry. It's that supernatural power that flows through, that that. Spiritual attraction that people see, right? right? So I want you to think: What are those two things? Again, it could be a besetting sin, something that you struggle with over and over and over. It could be apathy. Do you? Remember? Some people just really don't care. They spiritually are dead. You may be a believer and spiritually be dead. It needs to be quickened alive. It could be pride or insecurity or anger or disbelief. I want you to write down two things right now. Get a pen and paper. Two things. That are in your outer man that you struggle with two things in your outer man that you personally struggle with i want you to visualize them i want you to see them i want you to be able to do battle with the enemy i want you to realize they are your outer man and until it is broken the inner man cannot flow Okay, got him? You just see him right now. Where is the enemy tripping you up? Where is the enemy coming and saying you're not worthy, you're not capable? Something someone doesn't know. There's something there that you're you're harboring and you put up. That's that shell. Okay. Um, as we do that, I'm gonna ask my my lovely assistants to pass out um, our, little, our little prop. And um, I want to share something here with you. I thought it was so good. You got the two? Okay. Okay, really quickly. Watchman, he says, I'm 60, and I think we covered this. No matter how clever you are, the outward can never substitute for the inward man. Only after the outward man is broken... Can the inward man adequately find thoughts and appropriate words? Listen to what he says. The end here. the shell of the outward man must be smashed by God. The shell, and these aren't to eat, so just wait. They were back there eating my props All right. The shell of the outer man must be smashed by God. Now listen, the more it is shattered the more the life in our spirit is released. Okay, just look at one. Just look at that. And here was this analogy Phil and I were talking about with the pistachio. When you look at that, you can see a little bit of the pistachio. Look at it. So I can see a little bit of light. I can see a little bit of light in you. I can see a little bit of the spirit in you. But it's surrounded by a hard shell. It's surrounded by one or two things in your personal life that you hold on to your beauty, your strength, your ability, your confidence, your worth, whatever it is that you hold on to, I'm going to ask you right now to crack open that pistachio and hold in each hand a shell, one, one shell in each hand. And as you crack that open, think about, okay, cracking that open. Now, we obviously want the pistachio, and you can eat it in a minute, but not yet, all right, all right? But what I want you to look at is I want you to, and maybe some of you may want to put this in your pocket or put it in your purse or your wallet, because this shell represents your outer man. And it represents the thing that keeps people from seeing the meat or the substance of your inward man. See, the inward man is what we want. I want to see you. I want to see the spirit of God that's in you. So what I want you to do right now is as we bow our head, I want you to hold one in each hand, and I want you to know what they represent. One of mine was fear, and the other one was none of your business. Uh, was it me? <laughs> no, baby, it wasn't you. Okay, so I want you to hold those in your hand, and this may be something you struggle with. This could be a temptation. This could be anger, pride, insecurity, fear. I want you to think right now. Hold one in each hand. I want you to at least have two. Father God, I want to come to you in the name of Jesus, and I want to ask that the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit come down right now. God, I believe that you want to do a fresh work right now in this school of ministry. God, I believe that you're taking us week by week on a journey. And Father, you have truths, and you have insight, and you have wisdom. But Father, until we release the Spirit through us, until we're willing to let you smash our outer man, And God, it's just, you've made this so real. It's just like, I can't get enough of you. I can't think about you enough. I can't read about you enough. I can't walk with you enough. I want to be alone with you. I want to speak about you. There is just this irresistible appetite I have for the things of God. And I feel like the more that I release the outer man and the more that I get rid of those things that don't look like you, the more of you I see. And God, just as we all had glimpses of that pistachio, there are glimpses that people see, but Father, we want that outer man to be broken. So Father, in our hands right now, we lift up to you as just a demonstration of our releasing to you the things that hold us back. That outer shell, that outer man. Father, that thing that we struggle with, our mind, our will, our emotions. Father, the lies that the enemy has kept um, in our minds and our hearts to keep us from you. Father, we lift those up as really a dedication. Father, I just pray that everyone in here right now, as they're ready to, Father, would just lift those things up to you as a sacrifice, Father. We just sacrifice these things and we know that we We've got to let that inner man come out. We've got to let that inner man flow. So precious father, Jesus, right now, would you just come? We lift you up and you're high and exalted. Father, there is no other name whereby we must be saved and walk in the spirit in the name of Jesus. So I pray right now, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come rest in this place. Holy Spirit, rest. Father, would you just speak right now? We're going to take a moment just to be quiet and let him do some work. It's most uncomfortable to be quiet. But Father, in the quietness in this room, would you speak to each of us individually? We're trying to learn how to hear your voice. Hear your voice. What do you want to say to us, God? What do you want to say to us? Help us see what you see. What do you see? God, give us visions. God, who do we need to talk to this week? I just pray right now that you would put on our minds somebody that we need to be intentional about with the gospel. Right now, God, just give us a name. Somebody we need to be aggressive with, just like you're aggressive with us. Who is it? God, I just pray that we would walk in the supernatural power and anointing and knowledge. God, you just rocked my world this week with this chapter. We are the church. We are your bride, and you died for us. God, I just got this visual picture when I was praying the other day when you said my body was broken for you, and God, I saw you on Calvary. And just like we have to be broken, Father, you demonstrated brokenness so that we could understand power. Calvary was all about brokenness before resurrection. And God, break us, break us, break us, break us, break us, break us so that you can be manifest through us so your spirit could be resurrected in us, Father. God, I pray we would be such bright lights that people would be, they'd freak out around us. There'd just be such power and anointing. God, I know that's what you want for this church. I know that's what you want for this place. God, you're doing supernatural works. Miracles follow miracles. The divine is here. Revelation is here. Got to understand. I want to understand what restricts me. I want to understand where where the enemy comes against me. Give me wisdom to know how to battle him. Satan, you are a liar, and there is no truth or authority in you. We take captive, Father. We take captive the thoughts of the enemy. And Father, we work and we walk right now in power, and God, I believe right now as I'm praying that there's someone in this room right now, Father, there's someone in this room that needs to be set free from the lies of the enemy, somebody that feels really insecure right now. And I want to pray right now, you know who that person is, I don't, Father, that right now they would walk in the boldness, in boldness in who they are in Jesus Christ. And, Father, you're doing a work here in this church, and you're doing a work through your bride. Father, may we take serious the command when you told us to feed, to pick up the bread and go feed. God, that's our responsibility. we got to feed those around us. So, Father, as we take this shell and as we've just really um, out of our own choice, Father, been broken tonight, I pray that we would break daily and we'd be obedient. So so my last prayer here, God, is that we would just walk in obedience with what you showed us tonight. That we just walk in obedience, whatever you've showed us, God, the Rima, the Rima you gave us, God, tonight, that we would walk in that. So Father, I pray blessing and favor over this group. I pray that the next three weeks that we have would be weeks that you would teach us from your word with supernatural power, I pray for the school of ministry, Father, and what you have for this church. I pray power and anointing over our service on Sunday. God, I pray for Son of Hamas as he comes. And God, we have an opportunity to bring people Sunday. So God, I pray that we would be your church, and we would be alive, and we would be active, and we'd be excited about the things of the kingdom. So thank you for what you're doing in and amongst us in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, I want to remind you? If you haven't signed up for um, the Mystics, I want you to be if you be a part of that it's one day Saturday, um, Madam Guion, you're gonna love it. Can and then, it huh? You may eat your yes. You may eat, <laughs> take and eat, and do this in remembrance of this activity. Um, <laughs> And then, hey, a couple of things. Hey, guys, as as we all, if you've watched the news, um, you know with our first uh, breakout of Ebola now on on our own um, soil, we know that we've had our first beheading on our own soil. And I only say that to say these are sources of um, opportunities for you to talk to to people around us. People are freaking out. People are afraid. Um, Use Sunday as an opportunity because not only will there be questions asked, but we're also going to give hope. And we always want to end with hope because there is hope, all right? But remember, we're ambassadors, and we're ministers, and it's our job. It's our opportunity, okay, and responsibility and privilege. So invite as many people. It's going to rock. Sunday, two different services. So um, actually it will be kind of neat because um, uh, Mossab will be sharing his story in the first service. And then he actually is going to be talking about ISIS, in the second service so we're going to encourage you to be a part of both services but really strategically think who can you invite people will come and hear him he really will this is an opportunity to get people to come all righty and what else babe i miss anything else okay huh oh sunday night holy ghost holy ghost movie so it's gonna be a fun day on sunday right a fun day on sunday and um god's doing great things all righty bless you meet somebody you don't know before you leave tonight and hey Let's thank Troy. Everybody, if you've not met yeah. Troy, say hi. And he's been here. He and John have been here all day. We have been filming John, all day. And um, just really appreciate John's been here all day. John Lister. Yeah, nice and um, love you guys. Love all you guys. So, okay, babe.
0: I just have one thing. If you could pray, we really need some leadership at Canyon High School for the Bible Club. So if you know anyone that meets that criteria would be um, or might be interested in that, um, if you can direct them toward those questions toward Lucinda and she can help with that because we really just feel like, gosh, we got the high school right there and we need to be taking that thing by storm. Amen? Hey, have a great week. God bless you. See you next time.